for those of you that watch everything we do, you'll notice pretty quickly that this is not an episode of the Help My Unbelief podcast. Last year, Mark, Larry, and I, we started developing a testimony show called the His Not Mine Show. We may change that name later, but um, we actually recorded an episode with Larry's wife, Darcia. And we got her testimony. When we sat down to record that, Mark and I, we noticed pretty quickly that Larry and Darcia's story of how they came together as a couple and a family was very intriguing. And we just sat, me and Mark sat and watched this whole thing, and we were just completely taken back by how the thing went. Um, It seemed to be very therapeutic for both of them as a couple, and it was just really cool to see this testimony unfold. God woke me up in the middle of the night this week and told me to put this out. We were not going to put this out. Um, We were going to create its own channel and do all that, but God woke me up and told me he wants it put out here. So this is me being obedient for once and putting it out for you to see. So here it is, whatever you want to call it. I don't know the title, but it's the testimony of Darcia and Larry. Love you guys. Thanks for watching. Hi, my name is Darcia, and my plan was meth, alcohol, cigarettes. His plan was restoration and joy the child of god i get the unique opportunity to interview my wife and get her full-on testimony about how she came to know the lord but first we'd like to start with a little bit of background so darcia would you like to tell me about your childhood a little bit i was raised by my dad okay where was your mom um She still lived around here, but just for reasons that I lived with my dad. Let's just, you know, leave it at that. Okay, so single-parent household, but it was mostly your father, right? So were you a believer in God? I knew there was a God, but I didn't really know who God was. So you knew of God, but you didn't know God? Right. Kind of thing? Right. Just kind of briefly give us an idea of of, uh, Darcia before Darcia met me. Mm. Okay, so you're saying after I got out of high school? Is Mm -hmm. that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, well, we can start from at the age of 18. I was a stripper for three years of my life. And from there, I went to school to be a nail tech. And so I was a nail tech for 15 years. Let's back up just a little bit. After your nightlife type Mm -hmm. lifestyle... What, what made you want to get out of that? Because I knew it wasn't right. Were you going to church at that time? No. Was you like the party lifestyle kind of thing? Yeah, but I wasn't a partier. I didn't drink. Um, the worst thing I probably did was smoke cigarettes. Really? But I did not drink. I did not do drugs in any of that. So when did you start smoking cigarettes? Uh, two weeks before my sophomore year. So you were about 15? Yes. Wow. Okay. So then you kind of went on, and so the early 20s you decided to get out of stripping and you went to uh, school to become a nail tech, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the chosen profession. Why did you choose that profession? Because it made a lot of money and it looked very easy. <laughs> was it? Yeah. It was. Because it looks like it'd be annoying <laughs> it to was. me. So you got to sit there and talk to little ladies while they, mm-hmm. while you did their nails and you mm-hmm. listen to all their problems, kind of like what, like a hairstylist and a barber and stuff like that where, you know, you have to hear everything about them, right? Right, right. What happened after that? After nail tech? At what age did you get married the first time? Um, 24. 24. Mm-hmm. And how long were you married? 15 years. 15 years. So did you and your husband go to church at all, or did no. y'all talk about church, or was it, you know, did, yeah, you, his, did you have a desire to go to church? No, his mom wanted us to. And did y'all have children? No. Okay, let's specify that. You didn't have children, married for 15 years, but you did not go to church at all. Mm-hmm. And in the latter part, you have started going to the bars? Mm-hmm. And you weren't drinking? Just no, like a beer, maybe. Why, why didn't you drink very often? Why didn't I? Mm-hmm. Because my mom was an alcoholic. 
So your mom was an alcoholic. Was that the reason that she wasn't in your life growing up? Yes. And did you have like a fear of that or? No, I just didn't like it. I didn't like who she was whenever she drank. So. Because she was different. Yeah. What she mean? Um, annoying. Annoying? Annoying. I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> she was annoying. I can't understand that. We, we met in the bar. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. I saw you across the bar, and I had to get to know you. Um, and I, I guess we'll be we'll be straight. Mm -hmm. um, I became friends with you and your husband, and you became friends with me and my wife. Your husband had a motorcycle that needed help wiring. He was building his own bike, right? Mm -hmm. And I still got to say, I don't understand why any man would build a motorcycle with a single seat and a rigid frame and expect his wife to ride a fender. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Because I wasn't gonna ride. Uh, I, I remember that the first time I came over to work on the bike, actually my wife had left on Thursday night and not returned. And that's all we'll say about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I remember you not really liking me much then. Mm. And uh, we worked on the bike all day, and then I, I know that I hit the bar. I don't think y'all went. Did, y'all didn't go with me that night, did you? I probably not. Probably not. So, but we we ended up hanging out together, and then we got the bike running. So, we ran together all the time, and because I had a road king and a nice seat, you sit behind me. From that point on, I th I think you rode on his bike once, right? Mm. Maybe. Yeah, no, you rode to Cousins once. I followed. I was not happy about that, mm, I guess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, we started playing a lot of pool. And at what point did uh, your life start the fast-paced type stuff? You mean how drugs and alcohol got into the mix? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you share with me a little bit of that? Um... Well, let's see. So, a girl I worked with, we'll just be honest, but I won't name names, but a girl that I worked with, and she would come to the bar, and I saw her with what I thought was the m most absolute nastiest drug that I could ever been made was meth. And I was like, oh, let me try that, but I'm not going to smoke it. So, just like, you know, so I ate it. And it was just the speed. So I thought that, oh, well, that's not a big deal. It's like yeah. a pill. Have you ever done speed before? Yeah. And, you know, in school, like White Crosses, the little ephedrine that you could buy at the gas station, that kind of stuff. But never drugs like, oh, I mean, I might have tried Coke once or twice, but, you know. Really? Yeah. You didn't let me know that. That's part. back when I was a stripper. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you then. How did that fast-paced lifestyle start making changes in you? Because I know that you, from mentioning when you were married with your husband, it was a slower pace, not going out, and then it started progressing at the end, and then you met me, and I have to accept <laughs> responsibility for this. I, I drug you into a world that you weren't quite ready for. Because I remember the first time we went to a biker bar on a Wednesday night, even though your husband was still there, we were all running around together. You hooked your finger into my belt loop, and you would not go anywhere mm -hmm. without being hooked to me. All right. And then... I was very sheltered. Very sheltered. If, you say very sheltered, but you're, you're a stripper. I know, but that didn't seem... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. That's That was probably the most extravagant thing ever in my life. But I didn't do drugs and didn't party. You know? Isn't that weird? I mean... That was just me. Kind of, sort of. But now, I do remember that you, when I met you, you were like like a gym rat, big time. Yes. You were going like four or five hours a day, no. right? two hours in you the morning. You went at five o'clock in the morning and you didn't two come out till nine o'clock well, in the morning. some of that was talking, but some of it was working out, so. But yeah, so that was a, I was, had a regimen 15 years of, as long as I did nails, and that's when I was working out too. 
Not to mention your OCD. Yes. So yes. That regular schedule stuff helps yeah. you out quite a bit. Yeah. And then you met you. me who has no real structure or schedule or anything, right? <laughs> right. Just go with whatever's out there, right? And uh, I know that we became pretty well known, I guess would be a good way of saying it in the bike world. Your husband left you, and it didn't matter, to be honest with you. It didn't matter at all to either one of us. We weren't really hard into our relationship with each other, but we had become real good friends. And you cried on my shoulder, and I cried on yours a few times, right? Mm -hmm. But through that, we were still seeking the lifestyle of partying, mm -hmm. the lifestyle of the bikers or lifestyle of the bar. And that had progressed with your, your drug addiction. And how did you hide that from me? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, everybody tried to tell you something's wrong with her. She's tweaking. She's... Well, you were always pumped up when I, I was, met you. I was. And that was before math. Right. And your, 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 your personality was, was on the go all the time. And then with my party lifestyle and a work schedule, because I was working 12, 12 hour days, mm -hmm. sometimes a little bit longer yeah. than that. And it was like you were always pumped up and ready to go to the bar. Mm -hmm. I was. Got to be there, got to be there, got to be there. I was, right? yeah. You and your your friend mm -hmm. ran around considerably. We had to move out of the house that you and your husband had, and we found a house that we currently own. Mm -hmm. um, through that particular process, I know that I was extremely busy, so I didn't have time for the bills and stuff. We, we, we were running late on almost every bill we had. Mm -hmm. So... How did that happen? Well, because I was buying meth with that money. <laughs> so, so how did you, how did you keep that from me? Mm, well, I don't know. If you're not in the checkbook, you wouldn't know that. I mean, how can you know something if you're not doing? Well, I know it? that every time I turned around and needed something, you would be like, um, "Yeah, we we can't afford that. We can't yeah, afford that. We can't yeah. afford that." Well, because I knew what I needed. I remember even pawning some of my tools and yeah. stuff to to pay bills, and, mm -hmm. and still, it, it's never enough. And I knew that I wasn't drinking that much because, quite frankly, we took our own alcohol. Um, How are you doing it behind my back without me knowing it? Um, I'm not Go that. in the bathroom, close the door. It's just like smoking a cigarette. I mean, It doesn't so. have a smell? No. I think, actually, one time you walked in the house, you said, it smells like burnt cookies in here. So I knew then it didn't obviously have a smell that would be noticeable, so I just smoked it with the bathroom door well, closed. Well, you know, being in the trash business, my nose didn't work that right, well. Right, anyway. right. But, so you hid the finances from me to the point that we we were pretty low, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. Financial. How did it make you feel inside? Well, then, nothing really. I didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't care until my relationship with my friend that always got me the meth and stuff. Um, our relationship was kind of going downhill because she was kind of going downhill. I don't know exactly where she went. I mean, honestly, but I do remember us being at the bar and I had to tell you, I've been doing something behind your back. I, I remember having a lot of questions rise up in my head because, sweetheart, we moved into that house, and you told me all kinds of crazy stuff. There were people outside. There was uh, bugs mm, climbing and everything. Yes. Where I had I to forgot. pull I the stuffing out of every pillow that was red. Yeah. If it had the color red in it, you had me. You were the. Mm. If, I'm gonna tell you, if you weren't like the hottest chick I know, I probably <laughs> would have thought you were completely off insane because <laughs> the stuff that you asked me to do mm -hmm. made absolutely no sense to me okay i kind of forgot about all that yeah i did i did yeah but there were those little red bugs you can't deny it well yeah finally we did find out that there was you know, uh, a red few, spider mites few red spider mites <laughs> in the house but at the same time you were seeing stuff that was mm -hmm. so so how did that make make you i mean how did you finally notice or recognize that the meth had gotten you to the point of nuts. I mean, just crazy. Probably the time I was trying to drive home from somewhere and I was like, I can't drive home. 
They're out there watching me. The cops are coming for me. The helicopter. Oh, gosh, I forgot about that. Yes, I couldn't drive home from Richards. I had, I was like, I'm not gonna be, it was down the street. I could not, I was like, I'm not gonna be able to make it. Yeah, you were like two miles from the house and I had to come get you that day, right? I think so, yeah. And that was right before you lost that particular job, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, there was a whole lot going on during that time frame mm -hmm. that you that kept you completely crazy. Yeah, because I, I kind of quit going to work too. I mean, you might have thought I was at work, but you were gone. So I kind of quit going to work. I mean, I did a few clients, their nails, and then, but I pretty much just stayed home all day smoking meth, looking out the window. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Your meth had made you completely nuts and to offset the arguments that you and I had, the not down drag out fights. And I'm not, I mean, I remember going to the thrift store and buying glass and telling the lady behind the counter that we were just buying more ammunition for the next fight because we're getting ready to go out on Friday night and so mm -hmm. Thursday we have to bone up on ammunition. Mm -hmm. And it was like every weekend, it was a not down drag out fight the whole the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, I remember you getting mad at me a few times when I pulled into the garage on the, on the motorcycle and you would jump off before I was ready and the bike fall over and then that would infuriate me and then our house took a lot of damage from the anger and the fights and, and every bit of that. How did that make you feel? Mm, still, not really any feelings there because you know, drugs. Does that really mask you on yeah. how you care yeah, about things? Yeah, 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 so yeah. it really just clouds over every rational thought in your head? Yeah. I mean, I haven't been there, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, all I did was smoke marijuana back when I was a teenager and, you know, zoned out that way. And it didn't, didn't make me where I had no rational thought. But I remember there were so many times that you and I would have an argument over absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And it would just, it came close, babe. It came so close to me being done. Mm -hmm. I bet. It, it was one of the hardest things I think I've ever had to go through. And for some reason, I just couldn't, I couldn't let you go. Mm -hmm. And the only way later you came to me about the math. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that. Well... My avenue was running out, which was only one person. I got it from one person, and and our friendship was not really there anymore. So um, I couldn't really get it anymore. And But also, there was one thing that I did. Even though I didn't go to church, even though I didn't have a relationship with God, um, I stood in my bedroom, and I will never forget, and I had my pipe, and I lit it, and I looked up at God, and I said, I know, you'll let me know when it's time to quit. And then I proceeded on to smoke it. No big deal. Didn't even, don't even know what made me say that. Because like I said, it's not like I, we talked about God or anything like that. So um, then just shortly, like I said, avenues ran out. So I, I look back now and can see all of that, that that was God, why my avenue ran out why I had to come to you and tell you. And so when he I, was telling you, it is time to quit. Yeah, I mean, that's how, when you look back, I mean, yeah. And so... So did you reach out for help or like... I just, uh, when I told you and I stayed home for from work for like three days and just slept. I mean, it could have been four days, but I think it was like three days and I just remember being asleep when you would come home from work and you would check on me and you were kind to me and you were never mean, you weren't angry at me, your feelings, I think, more than anything were hurt because I'd lied to you about something. And... Well, I remember having three rules. Mm-hmm. Don't cheat on me, don't lie to me, and don't do drugs. Mm-hmm. And you just shattered two of them. And I was not happy about that. I didn't want to go down that road ever again. Right. That was where I came from already. Right. Being lied to, you mean? Being lied to in drugs. Yeah. So, there was that. So we got, we got past that. Yeah. 
Now, so, but you didn't go to recovery. No. You didn't have really any withdrawals past that three days. You kind of came back to normal. Mm hmm But you had become gaunt. Oh, yeah, the way was... you kept telling me how much weight you had gained, but you had lost so much pat so much mm -hmm. like like seriously in your in your size, twenty pounds is a lot. You had lost a lot of your muscle mass that you had gained. Mm -hmm. You had lost a lot. You had absolutely nobody fat anyway, and then you went down to absolutely nothing with just your your muscles wasn't there as much as the as they were. And you started kind of working out a little bit and building back up into that. You went from not really a drinker to occasionally a drinker to hanging out with me like full force. Because we were in a bar all the time. At what point did we did you make the transition from beer to alcohol? Um, um I think we were still running around together, remember? Um, and my ex-husband was still around because... I had my first Red Bull and oh, vodka shot. That's it. Yes, I forgot. Red Bull and vodka. Had my first Red oh, Bull. That's when I made the train. That was a transition. So that was during that, just the drinking time. And because yeah, I had switched from one beer to the other just because that was the beer you drank. Yeah. Right? And I didn't Make like beer at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was already wanting to drink the alcohol and shots and all that. But you, so you added the Red Bull and alcohol, a Red Bull and vodka, and, and, and vodka as your main drink I remember that because mm -hmm. my bar tab went up <laughs> yeah yeah so that was even so you were doing that and the math yes at that time right yeah yep. so I'm backing up just a little bit but you started actually drinking the liquor and I remember you complaining because maybe this were you that high that at times that the, the the alcohol wouldn't really have any effect on oh, you yeah. because of the meth? Because mm -hmm. I don't know how it works, so I'm asking you a, a real question. Well, I remember the, bar, is a the barmaid, you would argue with the barmaid, mm -hmm. and then you start ripping into people because their alcohol didn't have enough flavor on it, <laughs> and you or didn't have enough alcohol content, and you, couldn't, you were drinking all night, but you couldn't mm -hmm. get enough because you were out in the parking lot smoking with, with your friend? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, or in the, or in the bathroom of the bar. Yeah. Whoa. The point is that, yes, you could not have both of them. One overruled the other in meth one. So then once that went, then the alcohol started kicking in, trying to fill that void that you had? Mm-hmm. Since I wasn't doing meth anymore, well, then I just picked up the drinking more so. So you added a larger monkey. And so instead of a mm -hmm. monkey, it went to a, a, an eight. <laughs> yes, you, right? yes, yes. And how long, had, how long did that continue with the drinking? Oh, that was a... Ten years. I would say ten years on drinking. Now, we started going to church. Why did we start going to Do you even know why we started mm -hmm. going to church? You said you wanted to start going to church again. And I was like, I'm not going to church because I'm not going to be a hypocrite. And I'm not ready to quit doing everything that I'm doing. So, And you said, well, you just don't get it. It's not that you got to change for church. It will change you. And I said, well, I'm not going. And then so you left it alone. And then you decided that... This was, incidentally, this was when my mom... Mm, she was still alive. She was starting to go down to the end of her life mm -hmm. at that point. And I wanted to start going to church to be able to take her to church. We, we found a church where uh, I used to go to church with a few of those people that I knew, so I knew a few people, and we went to church there. And you were, you hadn't quit your drinking habits, neither mm -hmm. had I. Right. We were both still smoking cigarettes, we were still both, both uh, drinking beer, and you had already bypassed the meth, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. meth was gone, never picked it back up again, never, nothing. I mean, that was okay. gone. So we started going to church, mm -hmm. um, and we took mom a couple of times. I remember mom going a couple, being able to go a couple of times, but physically it had gotten, I had waited too long actually. But I was still, I still had a call. I, I, I still knew that things, things had to change. I had become so aggravated with you on, on the intensity of stuff. Our fights hadn't really, they backed down a little bit, but it wasn't much. 
and just the disappointment that I have to go come home and battle every day mm -hmm. after working my butt off, then I'd have to come home and battle. And half the time I'd have to make dinner if I wanted something to eat because you didn't even care if you ate. Um, I remember those days that was aggravated. You didn't want really anything to do with my kids. I remember my, I begged my daughter to come back from South Carolina and her whole family moved back. So I had some reason for meeting, you know, being around other people. I remember that at the last couple of weeks of mom's life that my other daughter moved down, uh, moved back from South Dakota as well, or North Dakota as well. And so I had all my grandkids together I had two of all my daughters, because at that time we were still having a relationship with our, my youngest. So we were, but the sad thing is that we, yeah, we were going to church, and then Danny asked me to come to that church that we go to currently. And it was a lot different. At, where, where were you at that point? You were, you were still drinking? Yeah. And I had, I was still smoking that one. When we, first, when we mm -hmm. first went to cigarettes, with, I'd already quit before we... Mm -hmm. So I quit when we were going to Passion, right? I think so. On smoking? I think so. So I started kind of making that track. Oh, yeah, because we, we were even in a small group. Mm -hmm. And the conflict that I had there was I was hearing Christians say it was okay to drink. Mm. As long as you don't let it control you. It's okay to smoke. As long as you don't let it control you. Well, nobody can smoke and control the smoking. Nobody can drink and control the the drinking. Mm -hmm. Nobody can do drugs and control the drugs. It's a fantasy that we all have. Right. But it's not the truth of it. Right. It controls you. And it's so when we started going to Discovery, I didn't want to be anything except a church pew sitter. That was all I wanted to be. Both of my daughters moved in together at at the house while they were taking care of mom at the last few days of their life. And I remember one of the times that we went to the hospital and I was infuriated with you. Uh, we went to the hospital and mom was in the emergency room and you were bouncing around and joking and making, you know, trying to make her laugh and stuff. But I, I could literally tell that you were intoxicated beyond. Mm -hmm. I, you more than likely could not even have remembered that I taped it. I videotaped it. Oh gosh because I was so angry I was going to show you later. There's so many times that I came in from work, I'd find you passed out. Um, there was a couple of times when you passed out while the grandkids was there. And your drinking had gotten to the point that I didn't know, I didn't really realize how bad it had gotten. Because at the same time, I mean, I'm not, I'm not little, little quite, but I was starting to make the change. Mm -hmm. I was starting not to be happy in that lifestyle, and I was starting to dread coming home to you, um, dread the next discussion that we would end up having inevitably. And I went to the men's steak dinner at church, and somebody mentioned a recovery class. And I said, so who's this? And, and the cool thing was, you know, at the men's state dinner on this one, they had all bike mem memorabilia all over all the tables and stuff. So it was like really cool. And then I met this dude named Michael and he had a ponytail and he looked like the biker, you know, but he had a recovery class. And another one of the guys that went to the men's state dinner was actually a biker that we had ran around with at the bars. And so both of us were talking to him about getting our wives into the class. Yes, I did drink. Yes, I could drink like a fish. I mean, I know that there were several nights that I could drink. I would drink a pint before we went to the bar and then drink all night long. And sometimes that'd be like a fifth of alcohol gone and two fifty, three hundred dollar bar tabs. And it was just you and me. And we were trying to be careful. <laughs> it was not careful, <laughs> not careful at all. But I know I remembered that the change started make started happening there and through that process I knew I had to get you to calm down off of the drinking. Um you had embarrassed me too many times. Birthday parties. You had infuriated me. Yes, yes. I I couldn't stand 
I almost couldn't stand coming home. And church, that was an, I mean, I had this ray of hope. I had this ray of hope that through the, through Michael and Sherry's class, that things would change. Because I was so in love with you. And I hated you so much. I couldn't take it any longer. You were destroying my kids that I just finally got back into having time with. My grandkids are growing up and I'm giving them a grandmother that was drunk so much. Drunk so much. And I was like, I have to change. I have to change and I have to hope that she comes with me. Mm -hmm. Because mom dying. I remember telling mom that night that I wasn't ready to be the patriarch of this family. And mom's been the matriarch even before grandma was gone. Mm -hmm. Mom was the patriarch. I mean, the matriarch. I didn't think I'd turn on the waterworks. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> okay. But she couldn't say anything with her mouth, but she told me with her eyes that it was time for my change. So I went to the men's steak dinner, ready to make or start making a change. And I met Michael and I said, I don't even know how I'm going to get her in this class. And he said, my wife will help you. And I'm like, man, you can't tell her it's a recovered class. Because <laughs> we had had that knock down drag out not too long before that where the cops got called to the house. Mm -hmm. I called the cops because you, I don't remember how, but you managed to scratch my face. And uh, one, so I was bleeding when I got there. I was sitting in the garage. You were in the bed. And I called my daughters and I said, listen, you got to get over here now. Mm -hmm. And then they said, you need to call the cops. And because you were drunk, they all came in. Do you even remember them coming yeah, in? Yeah, I do. I remember. I remember your daughter asking me or telling me, you can go to recovery. And I gave you an option. You go to recovery or get a divorce. And you were like, get a divorce. I'll divorce you right now. I'm not quitting drinking. And I remember when the cops came in, and I was sitting in bed, and the cop came and stood right there at the bedroom door, and he said something to me, and I don't remember how it all went. I mean, I can't remember that part. I mean, I just know that I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. It's my house. I live here, pretty much, attitude. And then it, that part was over. But well, That part was over for you. It wasn't yeah, over for me. Yeah, I know. The cops uh, suggested that I remove all the firearms and all the big knives from the house and then I go stay with my daughter for a couple of days and let things cool off so that it didn't re-escalate that night. And uh, so there again, I, I went over there and spent a couple of nights with them. And uh, then mom passed, you know, when mom passed, I'm gonna back up just a second, mom passed and I remember at the funeral, cause I had to speak at the funeral, I'm the oldest and I spoke at the funeral and you were drunk. Mm -hmm. You were drunk and you were acting like none of it mattered. You're sitting on the front row and you're not even paying attention to what I'm saying. And it was like nothing to you. Like you couldn't even care about that. The most important thing in my life was mom. She's the first woman I ever fell in love with. When, when Day took you home, I wasn't real sure I wanted to go back. And I started praying then, Lord, this is gonna change. But I didn't, I didn't do it like drop to my knees and say, Lord, everything's gotta change. But I broke inside. Yeah, but I will remember, I do remember one thing about your mom though. There was something special that I had with her. I don't know what it was from the time that I met her 
but I remember she always made sure that I knew that she, how happy she was that you had found me. You know, because it's I know I think she could have seen through everything. She did that. She knew. She She's, did. You know. Every time I got married, she asked me if this was if I was sure. That's what I wanted to do. She didn't ask me on you. She told me she was glad. And I was like, nah, that's a little different, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because we were still drinking then. But when we, that's when she still had her senses about her and so many things that's going on in my life, and I just couldn't get you to back me up on any of it. It's killing me. And then having to make the change I had to take it under my hands and kind of try to guide it. And the only thing I could do was go through Michael's class. Mm -hmm. And I got you in the class and we went through the class like what? <laughs> How long? A year and a half? Yeah, probably. Maybe. How maybe. much of that were you actually drunk in the class? I'm sure that I was. But do you realize that every time, I was just telling her the other day, that every time I went in there, you know a seed was planted. A seed was planted. I mean, every time. Romans 8, 28. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it just, I think that no matter what, no matter what I was doing, God was still working. He was meeting me where I was. And that is, I mean, if we fast forwarded to now, that is why I am where I am now is because of God, because he never took his hands off me through all of that, all the meth. I mean, why does somebody look up at the ceiling and say, you'll let me know when it's time to quit? You know, and... We, we went through a little bit of time between the steak dinner and then I, I decided to go to the men's conference mm -hmm. at Sparks and I, I was going to be gone for three days. Mm -hmm. And it was like the first... I, I was thinking it was the first time, but actually a couple of nights that I had to be away from you would probably be the first nights that I actually went overnight away from you. Right. And uh, I came back changed. I came back, I was fully committed to God. And just before that in August was when you, my cousin and his wife took me for my 55th birthday, I think it was. It wasn't 55th, it was 50 something for my birthday to Rio, uh, our mom, uh, a restaurant, and they came and got me. When you went to the bathroom, they came and got me and told me that they were they were going to have you arrested, or I needed to remove you. Mm. And I yeah. was infuriated, and I took you home, and, and then you went back, out. dropped you off, which you passed out shortly after we got home. I think. Mm -hmm. But I took all the keys, all the garage door openers and everything, and I went back and had dinner with them. And that was the last night I actually had a drink. That was the last night. I drank my birthday toast for myself afterward. And then I was done with the drinking. And I was done with the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I kind of made that decision. And then when I went to the men's conference a month later, then I went all in. And if, Lord, if you got to strip everything away from me, but I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to serve you with everything I got. And then as soon as we got back and ugh, I'm full force with you drunk. And I'm like, God, you're going to have to let me have a divorce. I know it's not right, but you know, you'll forgive me. I got to be done. And he said, no. And I said, I'm done with her, Lord. I'm done with this. She's running my family. She's running everything I got. I'm done. And he said, no. <laughs> I've been divorced three times, Lord. <laughs> Why is this one a problem? And he said, no. He said, no. And so I gave you to him. I gave you to him. And I said, from now on, I'll be your husband, but she is your problem. I've given you to her. I'm taking my hands off of this, and I refuse 
to deal with this. So when Pastor, I mean, I remember like it was a Sunday or two after that, Pastor Kevin actually came to me and said, you know, Darcy has got out, seems like she's got alcohol in her breath. And I went, tell God it's his problem. Somebody else would come up and say, Darcy is kind of drunk in the bathroom. At church. Mm-hmm. Sherry, come, tell me, you know how drunk Darcy yeah. Tell God, tell God. It's his problem. It's not my problem. I can't control it. I'm not going to control it. I gave it to God. It's his problem. Mm-hmm. And I think that was actually our saving grace. I, how long, I mean, through Michael and Sherry's class, and we even taught the class a few times when they were gone. Mm-hmm. And you were going to the class drunk off your butt, mm-hmm. running around with Sherry, running around, and I'm saying running around with Sherry, that's when you backed into the telephone pole mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. saying you weren't drunk but driving. Mm-hmm. And I would question you over and over and over, and you weren't drunk, but you were driving. Yeah, no, you were drunk driving, and that mm-hmm. was, that was. I don't know how God kept His hand on you or saved you through any of that. Because He's God. And you would argue immensely with me through it. Mm-hmm. And then we started doing the Friday night things to where we were actually doing a reach out program or outreach program to the neighborhood around the church and we were having them trying to get people to come over Friday night because just like you and I, we lived the bar life and now we don't have anything to do on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And we still wanted people to go to the bar to socialize. And we were missing that. So I wanted, I'll be honest, that was a little bit selfish. I wanted somebody else to talk to other than my drunk wife mm-hmm. because our conversations were always arguing. Or are you thinking you made sense and you made absolutely no sense to me? Yeah. And you weren't even putting together sentences correctly. Um, so through that, we we started doing these Friday night things. And I remember having a knockdown drag out with you. It was one of the nights that I cooked something and I was going to go. And it was a big to-do. We had a special guest star or special guest speaker coming in. And we argued. And I said, I'm done. I'm going without you. Mm-hmm. So I, I did incidentally take all the keys to every vehicle um, and all the garage door openers uh, so that you, you know, couldn't, couldn't leave. Couldn't leave with somebody and come back without me realizing it. And uh, so why don't you fill in what happened while I was there? Okay. Well, let's see. Well, I'll give you the date of that, March the 9th, 2018. And so from the time that you left me um, that night until I woke up the next day, I had no idea of what had happened until I passed by a mirror and I have a black eye. And I didn't know how I got a black eye. And... I showed you and you were like, oh my gosh, people are at church are going to think I did this to you and, and all that. But, um, and you called Sherry and I remember hearing Sherry over the speakerphone saying, if she does not stop drinking, like she was laughing because nobody was going to think you did that to me. But her words were, if she doesn't start drinking like that, she is going to kill herself. She is going to die. And it was then that made me start thinking, I, I got to stop drinking. I don't. But I didn't think I could. I didn't think, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, how am I going to act? I've drank for so long. I don't even know, I don't know what I'm going to, how am I going to do it? How am I going to do life without alcohol? I really didn't know. But I remembered I did it without meth, so you probably could. So I, you know, times before that, I had quit 30 days, 45 days. I forgot to put that in there, that there was a good three times that I'd quit for a, a stretch. And I was very proud of that. But on March the 11th, um, that was on a Sunday night in the small auditorium at church, um, it was like an altar call. And I remember, I got to be finished. I can't do this anymore. This is, I got to surrender. I got to be with God. And so finally, I just, I laid it all out to God, I surrender. And I was bawling and crying and squalling. And I remember one of the girls, um, Heather, that um, we weren't really friends, but just 
you know, she was a fun person at church to talk to me. And she was leaving the auditorium and she said, she, she tells me this later, but she comes over, she starts praying for me and she's very stern in her words and the way that she's, um, I'm gonna be honest, like casting out a demon is how she spoke. Yeah. And I so, remember. but I, you know, I didn't understand all that kind of stuff. I just knew that I had surrendered alcohol to God. I didn't know what was about to change in my life. I had no idea. Um, in a sense, a little bit, I felt like I was just going through the motions by the time I got home. I thought, well, I'll just be drinking tomorrow, I'm sure. I've still got some alcohol in my closet. And um, that next day, I can remember going into that closet there was like this much in that bottle. I went, well, this is gonna be it. I drank that, and which was half water, half alcohol, because in order to stretch out a big bottle, I would pour water into it after it got halfway through, so I'd still have a whole full bottle again, you know. Anyway, it was pretty bad. But um, is that how you hid the drinking from me? Because yes. I knew that the alcohol was there, but it's clear yes. on that. Now, I do recall coming across one of your bottles, and I thought it was water, and I just about choked on it mm -hmm. because it was pretty much straight vodka, yet you had added tequila mm -hmm. to it as well. Yeah, because vodka wasn't doing it anymore, so I did tequila and vodka, vodka mixed. mixed. Yeah. I don't know about <laughs> anybody else, but neither one of those do I like. <laughs> Therefore, just absolutely gross. Yeah. And that was... You're that's how strong you were, right? Yeah, I mean, so yes, I mean, when I'm saying an alcoholic, I'm talking alcohol, a lot of alcohol every day from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed. This wasn't just a weekend drinker, this was an everyday drinker, and and I never drank again. You never drank again, never picked it up again, never went to the store. So how long were you again. actually hardcore with the alcohol controlling you? A good 10 years. A good 10 years? Yeah. And you quit drinking like that? Quit drinking like that. Okay. How can you do that? I don't know how I could do that because it wasn't me. That was God. That was God. That was literally God. Did you have to go through DTs or, or struggle or did they give you counseling? No. Hello? I mean, because... Quite frankly, the class wasn't really counseling on the class. It was just being able to kind of open up and learn a little bit about how things control us. Mm -hmm. And everything was Romans 8.28. Right. So, I mean, but you didn't have any kind of struggle. Because, no. I mean, I remember James, my, my son-in-law, saying how, how you were going to have the DTs. You were going to have the withdrawals. You were going to have the night sweats. You were going to have the... You were going to be worse than you even were then and yet here just a few months later god delivers you from it and you have absolutely no after effects mm -mm. how does that work i don't know i don't know and i didn't know anything prior to that like what am i going to go through from not drinking because i didn't go through anything other than a few days of sleep with meth so I didn't know that there was going to be some kind of side effect because I had to quit, you know, 30 days, 45 days on my own um, and would want to drink, but not, I didn't, I never did have any ill effects. But no, I had not one, not one, not one shake, not one tremor, not one nauseous feeling, not everything that I was supposed to have, I did not have that people said, wow, I can't believe so can you tell the difference between people who try to quit under their own power and people yes. that are delivered, yes. quite frankly, delivered yes. by God? Yes, because you wear a sort of freedom on you when you've been delivered. There's just a, it's like it was never there. I don't know how to, I mean, I would never deny that I ever did that. That's part of my, my walk with God. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think God can do that for anybody? Yes. Yes. So what does it take? I don't know. I, think, I, I truly think surrendered it. my yes. heart. Say that again. I truly surrendered my heart to giving that. I had to come to the end of myself.
You couldn't bring me to the end of myself. No. You couldn't threaten me with anything. No. I, I tried that. I know you did. <laughs> I tried that with everything. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's God allowing us to get to that point with ourselves. And he knows how much we can carry. He knows how far we have to go into that pit. Very much so. And he basically said, okay, she's ready. And he picked me up. And it was kind of like he dusted me off and said, no, go on. And I did. Matthew 6.33 became my main, my main focus. Seek God first. <laughs> All these things will be added to you. And I wasn't worried about anything except one thing. And I just wanted my wife. God, you aren't going to let me get rid of my wife. So I need my wife to be a wife. I need my wife to be somebody I'm proud of and somebody that, that I can love with all my heart and then I'm not hurt by it. And I remember every morning, man, every morning. I didn't come home till nine o'clock. And then when I got the job selling the insurance and I passed the test by, and I gave testimony, I gave, I passed that test because I prayed over every question. I didn't, couldn't remember any of the answers. And I prayed over every question. And through that, it was like, you came about and did the, did the change and you, you came to the Lord and I'm, like, I'm bouncing off the walls. I'm so happy. I can't, I couldn't even express myself how happy I was that God had, had delivered you from that. And that's deliverance. Mm -hmm. And then through that process, I watched you grow. And then I remember, I remember it that we were driving and you looked over, because I hadn't pushed anything, because God wouldn't let me push anything on you. And I remember you saying, oh, I think I'm going to get baptized. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was, like, blown away that you brought that up. So how did you, how did you realize that you needed to be baptized? Because I hadn't mentioned it. Once the drinking was gone, I dove into Joyce Myers. Like, I... That was my go-to. I didn't, I mean, I didn't dive into the Bible because I didn't really know how to read the Bible. I mean, I got to say, it was like, what am I going to do with the Bible? But I remember watching Joyce Myers, taking notes, and just diligently, literally, just being driven to be motivated towards God because of this woman. Just, wow, she's done this, she's been this, she's... All these things, her life, and she's, she had a voice like I had. It was a rough, husky voice. Which I love, by the way. <laughs> so I was just very um, drawn to her. That's who God sent to me, to, to relate to me, to, let, to help me to learn. To, because I wasn't going to open the Bible, because I wasn't, you know, schooled in it or whatever. But my whole point is, then I had a dream that... It would be like a tattoo of me getting, it'd be me getting baptized, would be like a tattoo of God on me. And so then I said, oh, I want to get, I told you, I want to get baptized. So then I did. I remember when you got baptized, I, my heart was so swelled with pride and so, so blown away that God was listening to my prayers, that I, that, that it was coming at me, mm -hmm. you know, that the prayers were answered and being answered. And now uh, you were, I mean, I remember coming home and finding you watching life chan Lifetime channels, you know, and watching those stupid idiot movies and mm -hmm. learning how to kill your husband and <laughs> or learning how your husbands kill you. and. And then now I'm coming home and you have Joyce Meyer on the TV. You have your Bible in front of you. You got a notebook and you're mm -hmm. got a smile that I'm walking in, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So the flip flop on your whole attitude and everything was dramatic, completely dramatic to me. Yeah. So when they say God can turn it around in a minute, he can turn it around. Literally. Literally. And he did. Okay, God can turn it around. So what, was there another thing that he turned around for you? Smoking. 
Smoking cigarettes. How long did you smoke after you got baptized? Well, I've smoked ever since then. I've smoked for 40 years. Smoked for 40 years. You drank for 10 years. 10 years. You did math for, for 3 years. And we've been together for 13. And I am 53. Wow. So. <laughs> God likes numbers. He does like numbers, doesn't he? <laughs> God delivered you from meth. Mm -hmm. Even when you weren't serving God. Right. God delivered you from alcohol. And he brought you into the kingdom, into his fold. Mm -hmm. And he not only used you that way, he also has elevated you. Because your testimony is known in church. Mm -hmm. Your testimony is something that the pastor actually talks about as well from the pulpit, mm -hmm. which caught us off guard the first few times that he mentioned that. But it is a story of deliverance. Yes. And you were a Christian, and you were being used in the, in the leadership. Uh, you were doing Bible study. Um, but you have since been called. Uh, we're, we're on the prayer team. Mm-hmm. We talk to people regularly. We were actually going to the Jesus house with, with Didi. Mm -hmm. So, and you were giving your testimony then even. And, but all that time you were still smoking. Yeah. And, and I didn't, I felt like, well, this is what I got and this is what I got left. So I can, I can hold on to that. It's not a big deal. And I'll tell you, God let me hold on to it up until last year was the Hey, you know that kind of stinks, don't you? Hey, that person over there in the car next to you is watching you while you smoke that. I mean, and I was just starting to get, it was annoying me. Smoking was annoying why, me. Why would that matter that somebody next to you saw you in your vehicle Well, because one, smoking I'm, a cigarette? Because I got a Discovery sticker on the back of my car. Discovery church <laughs> sticker on the back of your car, you're yeah. smoking a cigarette. Yeah. So what God was pointing out to you was that not only our words, not only that we go to church, not only that we live according to the principles that he has set, but that our actions are seen by others mm -hmm. and that we need to be completely walking in the life of, of, of following after Christ, not only in the church, but outside the church. Right. And that everything that we say or do affects others, right? Right. I, I smoked for 35 years, and you smoked for 40 years. I can say God delivered me yeah. on my cigarettes completely mm -hmm. because yeah. he told me to quit smoking before I'd even started going to church, and mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. And I have not had ever a desire to smoke a cigarette, right. even though you still smoked at the house. Right. You smoked in the truck. You smoked in the car. You, you know. Mm -hmm. So... God delivered me completely from any desire. And then five years later, after you gave your heart to the Lord, he says, one more time, Garcia. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, you just started knocking. Just knocking on the door saying, okay, it's time to get rid of this. Which was, I look back now and go, every one of those things was a crutch. Every one of those things was something trying to fill that space that he's left open that's really only for him and i was filling it with hey that didn't work or you know that didn't work i mean nothing ever worked and i was holding on to cigarettes literally as a crutch though and um my vision was okay lord i don't want to surrender them i mean i was honest i don't want to quit smoking i like to smoke but i need you to take the desire away and so our Church started a prayer and fasting on January the 9th, and I decided I'm going to get on board with this. And so I, my fast was getting up an hour earlier than I always do, which I get up at 4.15, so I got up at 3.15, 3.30, spend the first, those first waking moments with God, and this is for this desire to go away, Lord. And by January the 15th, I'm, we're there in our revival night, and the same girl that spoke over me, Heather Murphy. So the same woman that talked to you about the alcohol mm -hmm. when we didn't know her. Right. 
But now we know that she gets used by the Lord. Yes. A lot. Yes. And yes. she came as a messenger. Again. Again. And to said, me. Turned to me while we're in revival and said, girl, you're loosened from those cigarettes. And I said, what? And she goes, you're loosed. You're loosed from those cigarettes. And I was thinking, not everybody here knows I smoke, but okay. But she spoke it, and all I could think about was, no, I don't want to. Not yet. I just bought four packs. I had just stopped after morning church and bought four packs of cigarettes. And uh, so she knew how I was feeling. You know, Did the Lord actually tell you not to buy those? Did he tell me not to? Did he say, hey, you might not want to buy those? He did try to say, um, maybe you should stop after, like, tonight, church. Like, why don't you stop after tonight, when you, after church tonight, instead of this morning, church? I don't know why the Lord just told me to ask you that. Seriously, he did. <laughs> he really did. He did. Because <laughs> I, I was going to say, I don't think I told you that. <laughs> I did not tell you that. No, I just... I just Felt a prompting in my heart to, to ask you that question because, A, I know you wouldn't have stopped anywhere after church. That's at why. Night on your way home. That's why. Um, so, but I know that when Heather told you that, you came, because I was greeting, and mm -hmm. so you came back to the door and told me, or the backside of the church as people were walking out, and I was doing the exit greet, and uh, you told me. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I did a, a what? A hallelujah. <laughs> did I do it quietly? No. 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 I yelled hallelujah at the top of my lungs in our church, right? Mm -hmm. Which I'm kind of known for now. But it was such a relief because I was calling it deliverance, but I want to back up to what you said. She Heather said, said what? I was loosened. Okay, so what's the, I was loosed. what's the difference between loosed and delivered? Well, I didn't realize it until I have had to walk through it, is I still had a part, basically. I still had to, I was loosened. I have loosened them from you. Now you have to walk it out. Because I didn't have to with alcohol. And I didn't have to with meth. But cigarettes, to me, when I kept asking for him to please, Lord, you know I hate smoking, I can't stand to smoke. When I'd be sitting there smoking, why don't you just take him away like you did alcohol and meth? Come on. And I went, he's not going to do it the same way. He's just not going to do it. But how's he going to do it? And the way he did it was how he did it. And I thought, is it real? Did she really? Does I? And that was the enemy trying to say, did she really say that you, like now you need to quit? And I was like, I listen, I know what happened in my life when she spoke over me, that, you know, that was God speaking or, you know, I know what happened then. And I knew that if I did not take what she said and go with it, I was not going to get another chance for it to be to be free. I mean, it was going to be harder if I ignored God. To me, one of the things that God basically spoke to me whenever I, I had to keep talking to God. I do a lot of talking to God and exactly how I feel. And I felt like, God, this is a struggle. And God said to me, is it? Because you haven't had to struggle with anything. And I just want you to walk it out. Just want you to. And I did. I, that's what I had to do. Made it so much easier because. Did it make it harder that I was running around telling everybody she's delivered? She's kind of. She's delivered. Kind of. You were doing a struggle a little bit. I was. It? I was. I know that when we got home that night, I threw away four packs of cigarettes and an ashtray. I did. Yes, you did. I did. Yes. I had to throw it I away. I had to make sure that they were in the trash the next morning. Yes. I had to throw it away. So yes, um, threw that away and and never picked them up again. And, and haven't. How long, how long has it been? Since January the 15th. Well, that's when I was loosened. January 16th is a clean day start. So, so and now we're two right, months. right at two months. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, two months. Two months. And how do you feel now? I feel wonderful. And I don't feel like I ever smoked. That's what's weird, as I'm like, but I remember the prayers that were prayed for me that night was no effects of the smoking. 
But sometimes God lets us walk out mm-hmm. to show us that you can that do it. He can do it. That, 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 and then shows us his strength in us. Yes. Yes. I am here with you while you're going through this. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, we have been through a lot in our marriage. And one of the things that I keep standing on is that Matthew 6.33 is one of the things is peace. And that was, that's the biggest change in our marriage. We not only have more love for each other now than we ever have in our life, that I, I, I'm so proud of you. I'm going to get emotional again. I am so proud of you. The changes that you have made to go from walking into the, the, the walk with the Lord in such an intensity that you are an inspiration to me. And everything that we do in our in our life, you have been strong. You have given me the, the verses sometimes that I need for the day. And peace. Peace is the biggest thing that I know that God has given to you and I. And with you, what is the biggest change that you feel that has happened in our marriage? Well, that I'm that better wife that you prayed for. <laughs> not the, I'm not Proverbs 31 woman or anything, but um, I'm not a leaky roof either. So um. <laughs> yeah, you do quote you do quote Proverbs to me a lot. Um, but yes, you you know the Proverbs does say that a good wife is like a gem. Mm-hmm. I think so. And I believe I have a diamond now. That all the pressure yes. that we've gone through yes. in our marriage has literally turned it into a diamond. Yes. We put God in the center of our marriage, and it's five years, where it's coming up on four years now. Four years that we have had God in the center of our marriage. Mm-hmm. And how would you say that our marriage is now? No, oh, it's just changed everything. He's, well, I mean, embellished it. I mean, you know... Um, different than, definitely different than what it was, but um, we have a relationship. Not We're not just husband and wife. It's, I don't know how to describe it, but I just know that everything we do, God comes first. And like you said about Matthew 633, it's you're seeking him first. And we both do that together every morning. And um, we dedicate our day to him, and he just pours out blessings. And just, I mean, it's not monetary blessings all the time. It's, it's um, peace, love, joy, happiness. It's the fruits. The fruits, yes, it's the fruits. <laughs> and knowing that we both mm-hmm. have the Holy Spirit to guide us throughout the day. Yes. And that we love, we both love God more than we love each other. Yes. Making us able to love each other even more than we ever did. Yes. Thank you, Lord, that my husband stood strong in you to tolerate me. And thank you for being obedient to him. Thank you for actually being a Proverbs 31 wife. (laughs) 